Welcome to the Health Unfiltered Podcast. I'm Dr. Rogelio Ralzola, a PhD in health, exercise, and sports science, a strength coach with over a decade of experience in personal, collegiate, and professional settings, and a sports scientist whose main goal is to use testing and data to maximize your health and performance. And I'm Brooke West, holistic registered dietitian, practicing the perfect combination of a functional nutrition, science-based root cause approach, and hippie magic, with areas of expertise in women's health and hormones, gut health, and micronutrient balance. We believe that health is multifaceted, but not as complicated as others make it seem. Our mission is to share what works and what's BS in the health industry, all while having a good time doing it. Expect us to share everything from new research to tried and true health philosophies to alternative health therapies and the occasional controversial topic. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the Health Unfiltered podcast. My name is Ro and I'm here with the jungle woman herself, Ms. Brooke West. How are we doing today, Brooke? What's up? I'm doing great. I've already gone for my river dip. Things are looking up. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Can't say you're doing poorly when you're like, yeah, I dipped in the river and the sun was in my face and I had a fresh coconut. I actually did have a fresh coconut. I know you did. (laughs) Okay. I already know. (laughs) Oh, man. It's just, I know you. I know you to your core. That's funny. I've I've taken all of 600 steps today and it's 2 p.m. So very different. (laughs) different beginnings to the day Um, well you also just got back from a very huge trek i did yeah we did the uh the inca trail in peru it's four days something like 26 miles uh we get up to thirteen thousand seven hundred something feet and yeah after that i was like i don't want to walk for days actually i just want to i just want to sleep um, but I also think I caught a bit of a stomach bug, which kind of put me out. I'm sipping on my Pedialyte, or uh, what did you what did you say the the foreign version of it is called? They call it Electrolit. Electrolit, yeah, sponsored by Electrolit. Definitely not, but um, yeah. So today has been definitely a, a chill day as I get back into the groove of normal life, um, which has been which has been good. My life is good. Cause yeah, life is you, really good. well, you have big news to share. You're like grinning and <laughs> smiling over there, and I'm like, I want to hear the good stuff. Like, do give I give me the gossip? No good news or anything. I just happen to get engaged in Peru. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. Oh man, yeah, I feel like a new man. I feel I feel different. Um, and you know, I I I was thinking about how it would ruin my brand because of just the raw sex appeal. Uh, that is, you know, me and and my brand and everything but i figured that you know my future with casey was more important than that so uh yeah after six years finally decided to uh to put a ring on it which is just nice yeah you were a due time. for a rebrand i think i think, I think so news. probably yeah it was about 20 years in the making yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> that's what i will say instead of like oh i got engaged it's like yeah, I had a rebrand. Uh, that's that's what it is. <laughs> um, I'm very excited to call her my ex-girlfriend now. Um, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, you do not she, your ex-girlfriend? She doesn't like what well, she's... Up? Yeah, I mean, she's my fiance, right? So she's no longer my girlfriend. So she's my ex-girlfriend. So, um, But that's going to take a while to, to like my... Oh, my fiance. That's right. She's my fiance. So, um, yeah, I still kind of feel... Feel like a small happy child where I'm like, hee, that got done. Hee. I she can't seemed even... like really surprised. Do you think she had any clue? She had zero idea, actually. It's uh it's very funny. So I did carry it <laughs> the entire four days. Um we were trekking and every time we stopped, I was checking it. Every time we went to bed, I was checking for it. Every time we woke up, like some Peruvian gremlin was gonna come in the middle of the night and specifically steal this one thing deep in my backpack but um yeah a lot of stress that came with like I really hope this doesn't get lost or broken in the next four days um yeah no she 
yeah, the the video is very sweet. She's uh was not expecting it and she's ugly crying. So which is good because you know, if it, if the reaction was anything less, then I would have been like, you know what? Let's not do this. Yeah. It's uh <laughs> <laughs> I needed the dramatics for, for my own for my own sake. But um yeah, it was uh it was good. It was it was great. It's it's exciting and um yeah, it just I don't really know how to feel and react to it when people ask about it because I'm like, oh yeah, there's a, this is a whole new part of my life that I, I don't know, it was different. <laughs> you know, I've never yeah. had a fiance before, so <laughs> it's new territory, and it's really yeah. just the beginning of your lives together in a way. Even though you've known each other a long time, I was kind yeah. of cracking up when I saw her post, and she had mentioned how you all had met and being at Mississippi State in the Sanderson and I was like wow it's been a ride because yeah. I remember from the very <laughs> beginning and I it's just so cool to see the journey um yeah yeah if anyone can put up with you for the rest of their life it's her she's a tough it's, cookie it's her yeah she yep yeah she is um so yeah it's exciting but uh yeah, I, I do want to shout out my group that I was with. So I, I, I still plan on posting some pictures of the actual trip. Obviously, the the engagement took precedent, but I had a really great group that like we were with. And I mean, like, super great. Uh, there was Simon from France, and he was with Natalie from uh, the UK. Joe and Rachel were from the UK. Let's see if I'm off the top of my head. Abby... Anne and Laura were from the States, um, really cool girls. All of them were really cool people. Um, and then Cindy and Don were from the States as well. So um, I believe that was everyone. And our guides, um, Juan Carlos and Umberto, like, it was awesome. It was a great trip. If you ever have the chance to hike for four days across Peru and in the Inca Trail, you should you should do it. Um, you should probably not get sick right before, and you should definitely have a better cardio base than I had, uh, because oh my god, I thought I was gonna die the first day. And I did tell Casey, I was like, look, I think the reason I got through that first day was because I was like, if I die right before I propose, it's gonna be really messed up. So like, I kind of gotta, oh my god. I kind of get gotta get through this, but. I was dehydrated, it was, and I was—I didn't acclimatize like at all. So, going from zero to eleven thousand feet right off the bat is like not the move you want to do. And I had like half a liter of water because I'm an idiot. I thought I was sucking down water because I don't normally drink water, and um, my body was slowly like, "Hey, listen, you piece of shit! If you don't, uh, if you don't treat us better, we're gonna make this a very painful time for you." <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so yeah. Yeah, it's a great time. A lot, of, a lot of good things. Peru has a special place in my heart now because of, uh, because of that. So, yeah, it's exciting. Nice. I've never been. I'll have to add that to the bucket list for sure, though. To do that hike is something I've wanted to do. Did you all train at all? Oh well, you know, Casey's a cardio queen. She uh, does her Peloton three times a week, and then she still dances a couple times a week, or she tries to at least, and. Um, really all I did was cut my rest times during my lifts. So no, uh, not as well as I should have. Um, and I, I really want to do an episode on, on, uh, altitude and altitude training and, and stuff like that. I think that would be really interesting. And I have a lot of friends in that space that can, um, talk about that to uh, a little deeper than I can. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's also very hard to train for, like, how do you, how do you train for being at 13,000 feet and, you know, walking 10 miles in a day? I mean, you, you definitely can train for the mileage, but <laughs> yeah, I, I don't mean, know sure. how you would train for the altitude. I mean, I've made the mistake of not adjusting mm-hmm. and just going further up. And I've learned that lesson that I will, whenever I'm going somewhere like that, I'm going to go a, a couple, couple days, days early and just yeah. like really get my bearings. I mean, even in Colorado, I have like gotten myself so sick trying to go up to Keystone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was there for like 16 hours and then it was like, all right, let's get on this hike. And yeah, bad moves all around. But yeah, that's that's uh, 
a topic for for another day. Um, you made it. You survived, and congratulations, being an yeah, engaged man. Thank you so much. I will be Doctor Miller soon. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, <laughs> what about with you? What's new with you? I am preparing for my trip back to the states. America, exciting! So I'm gonna go back, back to the baby. states for two weeks. Um, briefly be in Guatemala, and then I'll come back to Costa Rica to my home. Someone was like, so when are you like moving back? And I was like, I th- the point is that I'm Never. not. Like, there's not, <laughs> yeah. um, there's not a plan. This is my home now. Yeah. Um, you know, and I have a rental home for a year and my car and my life here, my friends here. So it's pretty, pretty cool, but I'm excited to go back to the States and see friends and family. It'll be a quick trip. I'm doing the important things, you know, like getting my hair done, getting some new tattoos. Going to Target. Yeah. Yeah. Getting Starbucks. I don't even like Starbucks. But you just want to get it. (laughs) You know, it's just like, I just want to be that bitch that's got a Starbucks in hand cruising the aisles of Target. For sure. (laughs) There's like weird things I want to do. There's a like very specific foods. Like I've already made reservations at restaurants I want to go to. I've already hit up an amazing gluten-free baker. Like I've got this on lock. We're about to eat good. Nice. Hell yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah, I know that we talked about potentially meeting because... Where we will be is not, or where you'll be is not too far, but I know our <coughs> Mexico just kind of locked up. So if I can see you for a couple hours, that would be fun. But, you know, I'll also see you once a week now. So it is what it is. We out here. We out here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before we start our episode, we do have a question of the week. Um, before we go into that, make sure that you rate us, share us, and follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. And let us know what you think about the new intro and outro. I know that uh, some people turned it on and were like, whoa, this is totally different. I got some some texts and comments about it, and it was nice. I'm like, okay, people are still listening. That's good. Uh, but I'm not just yeah. talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, I could do that for hours, probably. Um, but the question of the week is, do you think there is any benefit to working out in the morning when testosterone levels are higher? Um, so I think there's, there's a couple ways to kind of dissect this question. Um, first, like, what do we mean by morning? Because, like, in my mind, morning is like 6 to 8 a.m. I understand it's like 6 to 12 p.m. for most people. But um, <clears throat> this changes the context of the question because if you're like, oh, I wake up. If we're talking specifically wanting testosterone to be high for some reason, um, that's going to really start to peak towards like that later morning, early afternoon. Uh, So, you know, waking up at 6 a.m. to lift because you think your testosterone is at its highest, like, is not necessarily correct, Um, one. And then two, right, like, we have like a pretty good idea of how testosterone and cortisol work in conjunction with each other and what it's supposed to be like. But, you know, everyone's uh, response is kind of changed depending on if you are waking up at the same time, if you are doing things consistently. Um, so just knowing, you know, when you're, if it, it is important to you, knowing when your testosterone levels peak, like, it's not something that like you can necessarily guess on, but you can feel pretty confident that it's happening within that like 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. kind of range. Uh, that being said, I don't think that there's like really any value that you should um, hold with that um, because testosterone, like at least in the context of when you are exercising, is not playing much of a role, if any. Um Testosterone is going to help with the ability to break down substrate. Uh, so really to, to provide energy, uh, especially from uh, fat. But at the same time, like we see that while you're exercising, generally testosterone is going to take a dip and it's going to increase after the exercise because, you know, that's when you are trying to kind of make up for the energy that you've lost and you are trying to recuperate those those energy stores. So um, I don't think that there's any benefit when you look at 
you know, working out in the morning because of testosterone levels being higher. But I do think, and this is this is mostly, you know, from personal experience, that waking up and, and working out um, is a great way to start your day. You know, uh, it makes me feel accomplished. And then also, I don't have to worry about like, oh, man, when am I getting my lift in? What am I going to blah, blah, blah? Like, it's the second or third thing I do because I count eating as the first thing I do. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that there are a whole host of things that you should worry about before you're like, let me try and maximize my workout by maximizing my testosterone levels by working out in the mornings. Like too, too much thinking. Wake up and work out if that's what you like and what your schedule allows for. Um, but if you are someone who, you know, can take a, a an afternoon break, also do that. And if you are someone who can only work out at night, then do that. You know, there isn't there isn't a lot you're going to lose, um, you know, depending on when you choose to work out. So stop thinking, stop overthinking about it. I love this answer. A client actually brought me this question. I was like, here's my response, but I know someone who can answer this a lot better. <laughs> so um, that's how we ended up here. And really, my response was, well, when can you be the most consistent with training? Yeah, absolutely. I really only think that these little details start to matter for someone where they are paid and that is their job to train and be an athlete and a high performer. Then I think you can get into the weeds. But I don't know. Not yeah. necessary. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it's... It's the same thing of like when we joke between like what's best, a Rice Krispie or an apple, right? Like I'm always going to say Rice Krispie because it's a sweet, it's a candy. And if I have a, a reason to eat candy in the morning, I'm going to take it. You're almost always going to say, you know, an apple or a fruit because of, you know, there's inherently more benefit to eating fruit than there is to just pure sugar. Um, but like if that's what gets you going, then then do that, you know? Same thing. If you like a cup of coffee instead of pre-workout and vice versa, whatever. As long as you're showing up, keep doing that. So I love your answer as well. It's it's like the perfect time to be like literally just be a a, a dumb gym rat. Stop overthinking and go and lift things. <laughs> That's it. Oh, man. All right, so let's get into today's episode. So um, today we're diving into the topic of hormonal birth control. So I think there's been a um, a lot of talk recently on like people ditching the pill. Um, and with that, right, especially for some people that have been on it for like 5, 10, 15, 20 years, right? Um, how can you support your body through this transition? Um, and maybe what steps are best to stabilize hormones after and prepare for healthy pregnancy if that's the goal. Um, you know, I, there's, we know, we've talked about a lot on this, on this podcast about how important your hormones are. And if you've been on hormone, hormonal, I can't even say the word, birth control for majority of your adult life, then I think it's fair to assume that some things are going to be out of whack and it's going to take some time to make sure that uh, you're at your most able or most efficient to bear children or be a, or feel better or, you know, whatever comes with that. You know, I don't have any experience in this because I'm not a woman. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think that this is going to be a really interesting topic for women who are thinking about getting off the pill, women who have recently gotten off the pill, and then men like me who are like, oh, I wonder what this is going to do to my partner, um, you know, who is thinking about this or is off of it. So, um, yeah, let's start off like simple question. Why would someone want to come off of hormonal birth control? Like what is, what is the upside? What is this swing that we're seeing coming from? I think a lot of people, this has become trendy because they're starting to understand the synthetic hormones that suppress your own hormone production can be harmful in some ways. But there's also a lot of benefit to this that maybe doesn't get the limelight as much. So the upside is really usually increased libido and desire when you have your own natural, normal hormone cycle. 
having body autonomy and empowerment. So really connecting to your cycle, what's happening with your body and these ebbs and flows of natural hormones, improved mood, clarity, energy. It quite literally changes your smell to be on hormonal birth control. They've done these studies where they actually look And this is really important because we don't know this, but pheromones and the way people smell are how we select partners. So we can see how this could be problematic if we're blocking this evolutionary thing that we need in order to select a good match genetically. So there's a lot of like really interesting theories around this, but they've done studies and it it changes your smell. It blows my mind. So... You'll also see improved digestive health because birth control actually does disrupt the gut microbiome. So there's a lot of upside here as to why you would want to come off of it. When you're on birth control, one thing I think a lot of people don't realize is it's really just like this steady state and then you have these pills that are letting you have a withdrawal bleed. So you're never actually having a true period. You're not you're not ovulating. You're not having the rise and fall of hormones that would naturally occur. And there's like this orchestra that happens. It's not just one. It's not just testosterone. It's an orchestra of hormones that kind of ebb and flow throughout the month. So you don't have that. You're just having this baseline of a synthetic that's allowing the body to think that you're pregnant or the, the lining essentially is not viable for pregnancy. And then you have a week where you have a withdrawal bleed. So you're not even really having a real period with hormonal birth control. So you're not even really able to connect with the signs that your period blood might be telling you because that actually gives you a ton of information, which I'll talk about later in the episode. Already so much, you know, I'm like, and yeah. I'm tuned out. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. You I need mean, to I, tune in. I Men think... need to tune in and pay attention just as much. I think that, yeah, I, I mean, we've we've talked so much about how everything from like, you know, the snot in your nose to your poop to like whatever can give you so many signs of like how you're doing. And <clears throat> you're right. If you're like artificially either enhancing or disrupting um, something that is like a natural thing that occurs, then, yeah, it's, it's very hard to... Uh, feel or, or look at signs that something may be right or something may be wrong so um those are all really good points so all right um you know i think i think the natural like b- before we go forward uh, people will say like well when i was younger i had like a regular periods or like you know again i'm speaking out of out of context really but like there was some reason that I was put on it uh, to increase my like my quality of life. Like, uh, is there merit in that? Was it just because like doctors don't know better? Like, I really don't know. Like, why maybe a thirteen or fourteen year old might get put on birth control, or like you know someone who's like eighteen or nineteen, and not just because it's like, oh, I, I want to have safe sex, but. Like there was some medical reason for this. Like, I think that's a natural pushback that might happen. Um, so like, what's, what's your response to, to that? The main reason people end up getting put on hormonal birth control, I would say like aside from preventing pregnancy is they want to stabilize their periods. They have irregular cycles or they're really heavy or they experience a lot of PMS. There's something going on and, the automatic response is let's get you on hormonal birth control because there is a rhythmic predictability to hormonal birth control. Mm. However, all you're really doing is masking the symptoms of the hormonal issues. And then what happens is years later you come off of it and you never corrected those issues. And so then we have to undo that. So there are really good doctors who don't recommend birth control as a Band-Aid. Ones who are really aware, I think, and tuned in to viewing the female body differently than medicine has for a long time. But there's a reason men don't have birth control because they don't like what happens when they alter you know, their bodies with synthetic hormones. But yet we've done it for women for so long and we've been discluded from research and really not considered for yeah. so long. So... I'm obviously like really passionate about the subject, but if you have PMS, painful periods, irregular cycles, 
we need to figure out why, fix it at the root, stabilize those hormones versus masking it with a synthetic hormone. Like that's really my biggest reason. That being said, you know, hormonal birth control pills or the IUDs, like you might, you might have all this wonderful information and still say, this is the best option for me. And I also want to say that's okay. That is okay. And not everyone, it might not make sense to ditch hormonal birth control or IUDs or something like that. So, you know, we see a lot of this talk on social media and it's not black or white. It never is. Sure. And so rather it's just, I believe everyone should have access to information in a way that hopefully like makes really clear sense so that you can then make a decision like, you know what, I have all this information, but this is still what's going to be the best for me right now. And so that's really when I speak about birth control and coming off of it and the negatives and, you know, all those things, that's really what I want people to take away is like, oh, cool. I've got all this info. I can make a better informed decision for myself. Yeah. Yeah, no, f- for sure. Yeah, I <clears throat> awesome. Because I know that that was probably like a natural pushback that you get a lot, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> and, and also you said, you know, males wouldn't put synthetic hormones. Oh, trust me, I would love to boost myself with testosterone as much as I could. Um, but, you know, it's just not the right time for me, I guess. <laughs> and there is side effects to that, too, some of which are not fun. I yeah, giant-ass you know? muscles. Um and pimples yeah, no, to match. you're right. Yeah, that's fine. What's what's better? And hey, we won't get into this anyway. <laughs> uh, so okay, then you know you've convinced me to come off of my hormonal birth control, right? But like, <laughs> as a listener, um, how does your body respond in a negative way when coming off, right? Because we've talked about how it is a suppressant of the natural ebbs and flows. And okay, we've taken away this levy gate. Like, now what's going to happen? Like, is it just, like, all, you know, butterflies and rainbows? Or is it, like, strap on, kids. We're going to have a rough ride. <laughs> well, it can be a little bit of both. By the way, it is rainy season here in Costa Rica. Technically, I actually live in a rainforest called a cloud forest. And the rain is here. So if you hear the rain, um, just let it soothe you. <laughs> that's, that's what's happening. It's really beautiful. Wish you could see it. So uh, basically the negatives when we come off birth control, the really it's going to sometimes feel like you're going through puberty all over again. Because in a way you are. Your estrogen and progesterone have been flatlined, usually for years. For me, it was almost 15 years. I was put on birth control very young as a way to help with acne. I was really self-conscious about my skin. And this was a solution that was presented to me. So that was actually my, my original reason. So then these hormones are going to have to come back online and self-regulate. A lot of people come off birth control. They do not like what they feel and see, and then they go right back on. So I will say, give yourself some time for, for these things to come back. And I'll talk about ways that you can support, you know, here in a minute. But essentially one of the biggest things people will say they notice is changes in their skin, acne coming back. And that's really because the reason a lot of people suggest this was actually suggested to me by a dermatologist, not, you know, that was really the person that presented this idea, but it decreases your circulating androgens, which lead to oil production. So that's what's clogging pores and, and causing a lot of breakouts. This will fluctuate after you come off birth control. So like, don't panic if your skin starts to get a little wonky again this will go back to normal. If it doesn't, then you can take a root cause approach. So some of the causes of acne are high testosterone or DHEA, cortisol dysregulation, nutritionally. So there's something up in your diet that needs to be tweaked. You have some type of exposure, maybe some gut bacteria overgrowth, candida, parasites, or we just need to swap out some beauty products. So there's a lot of other causes but give yourself time to let your skin stabilize and then you can always take a root cause approach to treating the acne just like we would with anything else. You know, mm-hmm. our skin is really this direct reflection of what's going on in our gut. Uh, you know, like right now I'm actually, you know, going through a gut health protocol and my skin is angry and this is not my norm, but I know that I'm going through a very intense process in this gut health protocol and it's just what's happening right now so it ebbs and flows and just like anything it's a 
sign and uh, that we can change or it's giving us information or data if we look at it that way. Liver support is also a big one when it comes to coming off a birth control period if you want to reduce the negative effects of hormonal birth control. And if you think about it, essentially the liver is trying to process all the synthetic hormones and then it's going to start working double time. So it's like, oh, I'm trying to get rid of all of this and that takes time. So things you can do to support your liver, super simple, eat bitter foods, enjoy things like dandelion tea, add some arugula to your salad, eat ginger. Uh, Those are ways that you can easily support your liver with nutrition. Another big negative is the Periods might not be regular right when you come off of hormonal birth control. And that's because you're going to have insufficient hormone levels usually. And anything over 90 days that you go 90 days without a period coming back, then it's time to investigate further. But really stress management is going to be big here. Eating enough food, not restricting food and having quality nutrition. Most women are not eating enough to support hormone production. So like that's a big one that just like eat enough, you know, please, especially active women, like eat enough and don't be scared if you gain a little bit of weight back, like five or 10 pounds. Like don't be, don't be scared of that. You know, we often have these views, then we think we need to be these certain things and fit into a box. But the truth is, like, maybe it's more important that you are well fed and you've gained five to 10 pounds and you feel better right now. So mm-hmm. try to let that go as best as possible. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. You know, I think <clears throat> for because it's already like you're, you're thinking about all these changes are going to happen to me. Just from what you've talked about, my skin, now my cycles are regular, and now, like, there's almost this guarantee that I'm going to put on weight. Like, okay, we haven't even gotten into, like, other other things that are going on, and someone is like, well, it's just easier for me to stay on the pill at this point. Like, why would I want to deal with all that bullshit? And I know we're going to talk about that later, but, you know, for the listener who's like, Okay, you, I've only heard negatives so far. <laughs> like, keep holding on. Like, we will talk about positives in a bit, I promise. Yeah, and really, I want to bring up these negatives so that you have solutions, right? Like, okay, yeah. here's what you need to do. A lot of people gain weight going on the pill, and that stabilizes when they come off. But as far as supporting hormone production, we can't be in a calorie deficit. So, the kind of like pause those things if the pursuit of healthy weight loss is something you're trying to do when you come off the pill your priorities need to shift for sure and like eat enough and eat everything don't limit carbs especially (laughs) one of the things that can happen is painful periods this is just common for a lot of people and this is a big sign usually it's nutrient deficiencies deficiencies of some kind honestly here is the easiest hack and fix that works eight times out of 10, you need more magnesium and 400 to 600 milligrams of magnesium glycinate does the trick. Like seriously, I've, (laughs) it's that simple. If you're new to supplementing magnesium, I always recommend doing topical stuff first and then slowly building up to an oral dose. So do like a Epsom salt foot bath every night, use magnesium lotions or sprays first And then you can start building up to 400 or 600 milligram dose. But it's, it is wild. Magnesium is constantly depleted for a lot of reasons from stress to other things that interfere with its absorption. So that can be an easy hack. Um, Really good source of magnesium that a lot of us tend to crave chocolate. The body is wild. So sometimes the body is just like, oh, I really want this. Well, oh, it's your cycle and you probably need more magnesium. So easy fix there. Uh, Mood swings can be normal as your hormones are restabilizing. Remember, they're just like coming back to life. Okay, so (laughs) that's fine. Um, And don't like really just honestly don't be hard on yourself and give yourself some, some time and space there. And you can support some different things. Like there's actually a PMS tonic. That's a supplement by Vitanica that I really like, which has a lot of nutrients that support GABA production, which also support 
which progesterone also supports. But our progesterone is usually very low when we're coming off birth control. It's like building back up. So that's why it takes time. It's just that we don't have, you know, the progesterone, which then influences the serotonin, it influences the GABA production. Like it's all this big cycle that's been disrupted that's yeah. coming back online. So really that's just like some time and patience. Yeah. <clears throat> I will say, um... oh man. Dang. No, I, w- I won't say anything because my you lost it. Thought just, yeah, there, there it goes <laughs> off into the off into the wilderness. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, there's especially when you think about like, you know, me, me as a partner, right, being like, well, man, why would I want why would I want my I guess now fiance to have more mood swings like this sounds like a terrible idea. Right. But it all comes back to like this is a sudden change that's happening and like if we're zooming out right maybe you have been on it for five ten years like the reality is what is three to six months or even like a year of your body taking time to get back to its like normal state and then essentially the rest of your life is like oh wow i'm dialed in and this is so much better than it was when i was 14 right the the last time when i wasn't on this so um yeah i mean i think that i think that that was very clear and you gave um really actionable steps for when and if these things do occur when you uh when you come off the pill yeah basically Uh. like to recap and summary the acne, the losing your period or irregular cycles, the painful periods, the mood swings, those are all temporary. And if mm-hmm. they extend beyond a certain point and you haven't been able to troubleshoot or just allow the body to recalibrate on its own, then it's time to dig deeper into, okay, how can I stabilize my hormones further and more intentionally? Like you don't live with these things. No one should. Like we don't, PMS should not be a thing. There are going to be some you know, changes in energy or mood a little bit around your cycle, but it shouldn't be dramatic. Shouldn't be this horrible, painful experience that's debilitating. If it is, we can fix it. Right. Yeah. 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 Good point. Um, <clears throat> so what about non-hormonal birth control? So something like in, like an IUD, right? Um, how is that going to change or how is it, how is it different from a hormonal birth control pill? So the most popular one right now is the copper IUD, which is quite literally a little T-shaped piece of copper that gets inserted, and it's natural spermicide, essentially. And although I've heard stories where people get pregnant on the copper IUD, nothing is 100% effective, people. I mean, Let's same just with the pill, that. though, right? Like, yeah. Even with the pill, even with, you know, whatever you do, fertility awareness method, whatever you're doing, just remember it's, you know, not a, nothing is 100% effective. Yeah. But the copper IUD, if we think about this, we're inserting this piece of copper and it's a metal, it's a mineral inside the body. And it can actually create imbalances in copper. In some cases, people are sensitive. It can create copper toxicity. This is something that I've seen come up with clients on hair tissue mineral analysis testing. So that doesn't mean like don't do it. You know, maybe you've weighed all your options and you're like, I'm willing to risk this. This is my best bet. You can actually support with vitamin A, vitamin C, and zinc. That's going to help balance out having that extra copper in your system. So a really big thing is if you do choose the copper IUD or really any anything in life, we need to be having regular <laughs> daily bowel movements, right? Like one to sure. three good, easy, smooth, passable bowel movements. And that's just a way you can keep the excess copper moving out. Same with like excess synthetic hormones, excess anything. We need to have that drainage pathway literally open. Uh, so you know, that's another way you can support. The fertility awareness method for birth control is really the only thing that I'm really aware of that we're not introducing something into the body that has consequences. And this is a combination of tracking your basal metabolic temperature, your cervical mucus, your timing of dates of symptoms and bleeding and not bleeding. And, you know, that's really 
it as far as something that's not going to throw off your ecosystem in some way. So even the copper IUD isn't like foolproof, like, cool, got it. Don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. I will say anyone who chooses to come off hormonal birth control, pull out or use condoms for at least six months post birth control until your cycle fully normalizes, you know, like just be mindful that things are shifting. They're not going to be super predictable, you know, unless pregnancy is your, your goal, make sure to pull out and use condoms for at least six months to like fully normalize and understand your cycle and your calendar. If you're going to do something like the fertility awareness method. Yeah. <clears throat> or go to church, you sinners. Uh, so <laughs> Sorry. I had to, uh, you know, whatever. Um, so I, I think that, you know, it's like, can all this be kind of like packaged into like a, a term or like, is this like, you know, is there like some sort of like, I don't know, I got off of birth control, like, I'm feeling all these things like, but what am I feeling? Like, can I go and talk to my doctor about it? Or is it just like, yeah, every time I have to have this list of like all these things that are going on. Yeah, they actually have a name for it. They call it post-birth control syndrome. It's a thing. Hmm. Um, okay. And essentially, it's going to take three to six months post-birth control to normalize. And that is if you have really strong health foundations, okay? Super solid foundations in place. It's going to take more like six to nine months if you are in a state of chaos. So be honest with yourself about where you're at and gauge <laughs> your reality. Life is always a state of chaos. So, <laughs> I, you know, I came off of birth control and I didn't do prep work. I didn't understand what I do now and what I know now. And it was rough. It wasn't too bad. But you can actually start repleting a lot of the nutrients that get depleted by birth control. You can start just really stabilizing your eating patterns, stress, sleep ahead of time before you remove the birth control pill. And that will set you up very, very nicely. So mm -hmm. even if you're someone who you're like listening to this and you're like, I hear you. Thanks for the info, but I'm going to stay on hormonal birth control. You can still make sure that you're repleting those nutrients. There's certain probiotics that can be really helpful. I really like Mega Sporebiotic, which is a spore-based probiotic if you're on birth control. So there's things you can do to mitigate some of the side effects of birth control. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I will say that. But post-birth control syndrome looks like skin issues, loss of your period sometimes, blood sugar dysregulation, mood symptoms, changes in bowel movements. Hair loss is a really, really big one. I'm working with a client now through post-birth control syndrome. And like that's one of our really big wins is that the hair loss has slowed down and her energy is back and headaches mm. are better. So Interesting. I love those wins. You can also get sometimes the heavy, painful period. The gut changes a lot because hormonal birth control alters the gut microbiome. So gas, bloating, changes in the gut microbiome or dysbiosis we might see on a test. And then sometimes we can see uh, different like inflammation as a response and sometimes migraines and headaches. But that's really we need to work on the minerals and the micronutrients if you're getting things like that. So this is one of the big things I work with clients on for that reason. And really the best bet is you start doing the prep work before you come off birth control, stabilize, give yourself three to six months. If at the six month mark, you're still having issues, that's when I usually like to run testing. So I can run the Dutch test, which is my favorite, working at hormone metabolites and urine and saliva. And then we can make really specific tweaks like, okay, our progesterone production is not there. We need to add this, this, and this. We need to focus on this as your lifestyle support. Um, and so that's how I, I really like to work through it with people. Yeah. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense, right? Because if I am like, <laughs> oh, okay, I, all of these things are going to happen to me <laughs> if I get off of birth control um, unless I do some work beforehand right, then I think I'm going to be more inclined to do that work, especially if you're like, hey, you may lose your hair. Like, hey, you may have, you just be in pain all the time with gas and bloating. It's like not a great sell so far, Brooke, but uh, okay. I think if, if I can start this process, then I will. Um, so we talked about this process, right? Like what are things 
specifically that I can do now in order to prep for it. Or like, you know what, I, I don't need more convincing, but I'm going to start tomorrow. So I'm not going to have like a three week buildup or a couple months buildup. How can I treat or manage my post birth control syndrome? Um, or is there like a way to, to avoid it really? Yeah, not everyone will get this syndrome that's really if your body is in complete chaos. So the first thing I would do is I would start replenishing nutrients. Like as a whole, eat within a 12-hour window, eat every three to four hours, make sure you're having balanced meals, which means carb sources, healthy fat sources, your color and antioxidant, your fruits and veggies, and then your protein sources. I think I hit all those. <laughs> I wasn't sure what order I went in. I'm like, eat yeah. everything, people. So, That's yes, the easiest eat, thing. Eat balance <laughs> and eat it every three to four hours and um, really stabilize those patterns. Start managing your stress, making sure you have really good, you know, I think people like there's a misconception that like, oh, stress management is like, I'm stressed. So I'm going to go do X, Y, Z to manage stress. Yeah. Like, no, it's really actually about having practices in place that you do regularly so that you have tools that you can easily use in those situations. It's we're never going to live stress free, but rather we want to have resiliency so that you can mm. respond better. Yes. Like that's the goal. So always have good stress, you know, management in place. That's what I mean is like what are these habits that are supportive of you before the stressful event even happens? Mm -hmm. Get really good sleep, 7 to 9 hours, and then start on these key <clears throat> nutrients. So much sleep. Folic acid riboflavin, B6, B12, vitamin C, vitamin E, magnesium, selenium, and zinc. Those are the key nutrients, big ones that hormonal birth control depletes. If you're on hormonal birth control, you can support your body now by having these key nutrients and doing all these things anyway if you're not ready to come off. There's a supplement called OC Companion, which is like oral contraceptive companion. So it's a supplement that has all those nutrients in it that we know get depleted by birth control. So that's a really easy way if you're like, okay, I want to start, I want to start preparing. I'm going to replenish these nutrients and stabilize my life right now. That's the way I would go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and also like I laughed because you said selenium and zinc yesterday when I was trying not to vomit my soul out, I got some Pedialyte and I was like, oh, selenium and zinc, like it, it's in like the really expensive Pedialyte. It's also my favorite tasting one. It's like the cherry one. Anyway, I was like, you know, I, I see this list of, of nutrients and, and minerals, really, and I'm like, it's, it's funny to me because these are things that you get just from, like, eating a normal, balanced diet if you are being cognizant of it. And, and a lot of people will be like, oh, man, I'm – and I know that there's a lot of factors, but it's like, sorry, there's this fly in my face. Um, it's like – Yes, like we we believe that food first is like important um, or food primarily, right? But like supplements help in a lot of ways. And, and this is a time where like a supplement may be more appropriate because it's like it is hard to get all of those things. Like especially if you are not aware of like what has magnesium. This may be the first time you're hearing the word selenium, right? Because that's not one of the common minerals that people are talking about so like at least knowing now that like oh those are things that I may be low in and that's why I'm in pain consistently or like why I feel a certain way like let me at least google foods high in zinc google foods high in selenium uh you know uh, magnesium and if none of the foods you're eating is on that list it's a pretty good chance that you may be low in those minerals, right? Um, I just think it's like it's important to at least know, right? The first step is to know kind of what you may be missing so that you can go and supplement in the right way or at least eat foods that are going to help you in the, in the grand scheme of things, especially as you make this what might be a very big transition in your life. Yeah, I have a post that's got all of this information in a very succinct way that I will put in the show notes that you can check out. And then if you have questions, you can always message me. My DMs are open. Um, but this is one of the big things I do for one-on-one -on -one clients 
is we'll do testing and then we know based on testing what they're deficient in because we have yeah. the data and the micronutrients or we know we need extra support based on what we're seeing. And so they basically have these grocery lists where it's like, these are going to be your liver supportive foods. These are foods high in zinc. Here's food high in magnesium. So they know when they go to the grocery store, they have this like giant list of like, oh, hey, here's, here's are the things that I really need to support myself right now. Yeah. And they can take it with them. It's something I really love to do because no, we don't know. I mean, even I don't know. I've studied this for 15 years, but I don't know every single food sure. and their micronutrient composition. Right. Um, so I think that's also one of the benefits of having the testing and you know, if that's available to you and you want to dig in deeper and then we can get like super in the weeds and make it really simple for you where you just literally, I'm like, here's the list of what you need for your body. Go to the grocery store and eat it, please. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I think that most people start to get off of birth control because they are ready to not have to control birth, right? They are maybe wanting to have kids or like start a family. So, What's your opinion on how hormonal birth control like impacts fertility, right? Because like it's interesting because some people can like hop off the pill and then get pregnant ASAP, right? And they're like, oh, shit, well, we were hoping it would take a couple months. And then there are people who it takes months, years, maybe they never even get pregnant. And whether that has to do with their birth control or not is like, you know, who knows, right? There can be a lot of factors. But, you know, what are your thoughts on on that yeah i've had people straight up even ask me like do you think hormonal birth control causes infertility um my answer is no i don't you know there's not enough evidence right now to say that birth control directly causes infertility and i know that we see a lot of people struggling to get pregnant today and, and you know we've got like these record high rates of ivf and things like that but i think it's really an indirect you know tie in here I think that birth control masks the disease states that cause infertility. And so then by the time someone comes off the pill, we have to address whatever hormonal imbalances were underneath that have been masked yeah. for years. So that's yeah. really why I think it's hard for some people. Ideally, you actually want to address these things one to two years before pregnancy. So if you know you want children, this is something I would consider very greatly because it's going to impact, you know, how easy that journey is for you. So thinking and planning ahead, like, okay, I really, for one to two years ahead of time, need to start preparing my body as a woman to literally be a vessel that grows life. Like it is the coolest thing that our body does. And it requires a lot of health and strength and support. <laughs> <Yes>. Like truly. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I think people go wrong. And then they get really frustrated or scared when they've been trying for a couple months and like, don't get scared, but rather find providers and people who can dig a little bit deeper to give you solutions before they tell you IVF. Because I also hear these stories of people that are like, well, I, it's going to cost $30,000 to do a yeah. round of IVF. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, are there some other things that, you know, we can do to fix these imbalances and, and to find some better ways to support you and prepare your body before you have to go that route? Yeah. 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 I mean, that stuff scares me because you also hear about, you know, I think it's like one in four people will will have a miscarriage and then like how it's just it's terrifying already to think about bringing a child into this world. And then you're like, oh, man. And then like you hope it's a healthy baby. And then you're like, oh, man, I hope it makes the whole nine months. And you're like, oh, man, I hope I don't feel like it's I don't want to get into it. You know, it <laughs> is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, and, and so you did say like, it does take like, or it can take, or you should take one to two years of like prepping for this. What is the best way in your opinion to prepare for like a healthy pregnancy post birth control? The first thing would be to identify any hormonal imbalances that have been masked especially if you've hit that six month mark post birth control and there's still some lingering things going on test don't guess start to dig deeper and get some information so that you can resolve that a lot of the times it's not something that's going to cause infertility it's just that we need to help your body increase progesterone and estrogen production or something which mm -hmm. we can do very beautifully with health and lifestyle um nutrition specifically 
Other big thing would be to support stress and circadian rhythm. So chronic stress will disrupt your HPA axis, which is just a fancy thing that happens in the body between your different endocrine glands, essentially. And they produce cortisol and DHEA. So if we're disrupting this whole pathway as women, it's connected to our ovaries and fertility. So if we have a really crappy stress response, we have hormonal problems. So taking that stress support and sleep very seriously. If we're not sleeping, that's stress on the body. If we're overtraining, that's stress on the body. If your boss is an asshole, that's stress on the body, right? Like there's all these different things. If you're under eating, um, right? Under eating, stress on the yeah. body. So you have to think, well, how can I reduce this stress bucket and really stabilize things? The other thing I would do is heal the gut. You know, birth control disrupts the normal flora. So what can happen is if the normal flora is low, which I like to call the good guys, it can lead to an opportunity for the bad guys to overgrow. It can also disrupt the intestinal lining and cause like them the intestinal permeability to not be quite as strong and to let things leak through. They call it leaky gut, which isn't a real diagnosis, but that's the term for it. So address anything going on in the gut for sure. And then support hormonal detox and those organs of elimination. Don't go get like a Kim K cleanse, but rather support (laughs) these natural pathways, right? Like love your liver, you know, have some of those foods that are going to help support liver and HCL or stomach acid production because digestion and elimination are like key here. So some of those foods that are really good for your liver, I'd mentioned a few before, but arugula, dill, dandelion greens, artichokes, kale, sesame seeds, turmeric, ginger, citrus, peppermint, cacao, eggplant, green tea, Brussels sprouts. Everyone work those in daily. Anyone listening to this, this should be in your daily rotation because it supports these bitter foods, stomach acid and liver. So that's awesome. And then I would repair the metabolism and a big piece of that is going to be stability in your eating patterns and blood sugar regulation. So the, the meal balance I talked about, the meal timing dialed in for your schedule and your training, and then having lots of high quality protein is going to be really supportive of your metabolism. Yeah, I was I was going through your list and listening and I was like, I don't think I have any of those things consistently, which is great. You know, uh, I'm not a big bitter food guy, I suppose. Um, so, you know, I guess I'll never have kids. Uh, I will never bear a child simply because of those things. But yeah, I I think that, you know, uh, again, when you look at that, what we're talking about, right, repairing your metabolism, um, managing your stress, having like a full rainbow of food and different foods and different varieties, like it all seems so simple because it is right but it's not easy because you do have to consistently be like oh man what food am i lacking what is my body lacking what might i need you know uh to eat or incorporate so that i'm giving my body the best chance to not only like survive and thrive but in this case like survive and thrive enough to bear a child which is like a whole other thing um which is just also like crazy to think about you know that that not that like i've ever looked at birth in a non-amazing way or anything but it's it's just crazy (laughs) because it really is um so yeah i mean i i think like everything you've talked about like nothing seems like it's crazy or will take like a a huge life change but it'll just be like daily small habits of making sure that we are sleeping well and we are trying to diffuse our emotions because our boss is an asshole and like we are eating well and and like understanding that that's going to take time and it's not just like hey you're fertile tomorrow because you had a tablespoon of turmeric Okay, like, no, that's not how that works. And if you have been on the pill for a long time, or you have had unhealthy habits for a long time, like, understand that, you know, it is going to be more of a process than maybe that other person who is more active or eats a little better. 
um, or unfortunately may just have the genes to just for some reason be so fertile compared to someone else who was like, I'm doing everything right. I know I am and I still cannot get pregnant. Um, you know, my heart goes out to those people who have been trying for a really long time and like it's costing them a lot of money. It's costing them a lot of mental and emotional stress, but like, I, you know, I don't know what to say to that other than like, you got it. <laughs> like, I'm not a good person with emotions. So it's just like, keep going. But yeah, I mean, you're on your own journey, right? And like the steps that we've talked about today are like there to help with that. Yeah, I think it's really about consistency with small habits truly and it's it can be something that's really fun and that you find joy in and really once you start feeling better it's going to be a lot easier to be consistent and I think like truly my heart breaks and I also get simultaneously extremely frustrated when I see people struggling and you know ask you know, what levels they've gone to and the things they've done. And I really hope that people start to see the power of your lifestyle and your nutrition and how impactful that is. And before you start taking extremes, and I think that I'm, I have a couple clients who have, are having in the middle of these beautiful, healthy pregnancies, and they did a lot of work. Like they, they cleaned up their gut health, they stabilized their eating and they prepared their body and they're having beautiful, easeful pregnancies so far. So it's worth the payoff. And I think that it's definitely worth reaching out if you want support and you want to dig in with testing. Like this is one of my favorite things to do is support women through this transition reconnecting with your body and like the sovereignty of what really makes you a woman is extremely powerful. I felt so disconnected from my body and it was weird. I didn't know what it was like to ovulate. I didn't know what it was like to have different textures of my period and and be able to connect with like, what are the signs of what the blood is telling me that I'm lacking or that I need more of. And we can begin to do that when we have a natural cycle. So for me, this has been even like way beyond health or with the goal of pregnancy, something that's been a really empowering part of my own health journey. So I hope that more women will kind of have take this information and decide what's best for them and their bodies. And then when you are ready for pregnancy, like treat yourself as the freaking magical vessel that you are that's about to make a tiny human. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's some woo-woo that I can get on board with because it is <laughs> it is some magical freaky shit. Um, it's really wild movies. when you think about it. You're pulling yeah. something in out of nothing. It's it's uh, the only word it's is magic. So I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, thanks, evolution, for figuring that one out. Um, and thank you, Brick, for for talking about you know something that I think a lot of people people right not just women but people need to hear and um in a way that's not like you necessarily like selling a service or being biased towards like a specific brand or anything it's just like hey this is the reality of what birth control like can do to you and what it's like to get off of it and what it's like to prepare for you know potentially a birth if you want so um like an episode like this is always like inherently in my mind i'm like oh i'm a man why does this matter right but it is it is like information that i think um is really helpful for for me and in the future and and for other men who are just like wow yeah this is maybe something that i could talk to my girlfriend wife fiance or whatever about and be like hey maybe these are some of the steps that we should um be taking and not that they're mansplaining but that they heard it from a really credible source in Brooke West, the hippie queen uh, dietitian. So, <laughs> so yeah, thank you for that. Right. You know what to do here. Yes. Cue that music. <laughs> All right. Peace out, everyone. 
Thank you for listening to the Health Unfiltered podcast. Make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform, rate the podcast, and share this episode. Connect with me, Dr. Alzola, on Instagram at ROI Health. For more details on all things sports and human performance coaching, visit GetROIHealth.com. You can find me, Brooke West, on Instagram at WestNutrition.co. For all the ways we can work together on nutrition and holistic health, visit WestNutrition.co. Don't forget to send us your epic questions of the week on Instagram at HealthUnfilteredPod. Catch you next time.